This week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by our old friends, the Email Boys, or EBs, a brand established in 2014 in Aggieville by a group of close friends whose bond was forged by K-State Sports, Aggieville After Hours debauchery, and a penchant for co-eds. The Email Boys were there for the loss to Kentucky in the 2014 NCAA Tournament in St. Louis. What started as a group staying in touch over an email chain post-graduation evolved faster than Terrence Newman into a multi-dimensional content churner of fresh takes on K-State football and basketball, barbecue and alcohol, and cryptocurrency. With hubs in KC, MHK, Wichita, and Boston, the Email Boys continue to thrive nationally while maintaining the roots of its founding members and boasting the greatest university and team in the nation the Kansas State University Wildcats. Happy to have the email boys on board. And Mr. Icon, hit the, hit the riff because it's time for an episode of the Short Side Option Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. It's me, Chris Sork, alongside Dilu here. You and me here for the next, uh, you, me, and Dell, I should say, here for the next uh, about an hour here as we uh, break down this K-State, Arkansas State game. And a little bit of change of plans here for the, for the agenda today, folks. We're going to wait to do our look at the Big 12 Conference until uh, next week with uh, everyone in the Big 12 now except for Oklahoma State and I believe TCU is rescheduling to next week as well. I hadn't seen for sure on TCU, but I did see for Oklahoma State that they're moving their game back to next week. Uh, but we'll uh, kind of give our thoughts on the whole conference and, and give you a breakdown as far as the Big 12 is concerned uh, here in 2020. But now uh, we've got a game this week here. Uh, D'Lo, how does that feel? feels great. Uh, I uh, have been waiting for K-State football for a long time this, this year. Uh, it's about a week longer than normal, I think. And so uh, it's good to see the uh, – to be getting ready to get back on the gridiron and watch some uh, K-State football. Absolutely. Well, uh, K-State's going to be welcoming the Arkansas State Red Wolves into uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, kickoff at 2.30 on Fox Sports 1. Uh, you can also um, – you know, stream that on Fox Sports Go as well if you uh, if if that is something that is more uh, up your alley. So uh, let's go ahead and kind of get into it here. Arkansas State, unlike K State, has already played a game this season. They uh, they uh, got on the road, uh, went to the Liberty Bowl where K State played their last game at. Wow, how crazy is that? That's pretty coincidental. Yeah, that's pretty pretty wild and. Uh, the uh, the Red Wolves uh, fell uh, to the Memphis Tigers, 37-24, a game that wasn't uh, particularly um, in doubt going into the second second half and uh, going into the later parts of the second half, I should say. Uh, Arkansas State did some nice things in the first half, but kind of ran out of gas. I mean, they did they did. Uh, Taught, or they totaled up, I think, three hundred or 424 yards of total offense, so a potent offense. Uh, however, some turnovers and really just a porous run defense is, as uh, the Tigers ran all over um, the Red Wolves on Saturday, and you have to think K-State is going to hope to do the same. Yeah, I, uh, I was eager to watch the uh, how Arkansas State would do against uh, – 
you know, a pretty good Power 5 team like Memphis. Uh, Arkansas State, obviously. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. When did... When I'm did... sorry. Group of five. Uh, or maybe are you trying to get into the Power 6 debate here? Well, I think the AAC does some good things. And, and... Yeah, I know you're, you're very complimentary of the, um, of the UCF program. I just think it's time for CFP to be a little more equitable. Oh, hey. You're preaching the choir, brother. Eat the Power 5, I say. Yeah. Um, no, but I was uh, curious to uh, see how Arkansas State would come out and look. And, yeah, no, no big surprise in terms of Memphis really just overpowering them. Um, I don't think that shocked anyone. Um, but, like you mentioned, Arkansas State certainly hung around for a little while in that game and, and put up uh, quite a fight in their own right. And I think K-State's going to uh, – be facing a quality opponent on Saturday. Um, not not the standard fare they'll see week in and week out in the Big 12, but uh, I don't think this is the worst team K-State will face this season. You don't think so? No. But before, and that's, I just think Arkansas State could beat KU. But you, you brought up a good point in your opening uh, dialogue there. I, uh, I wanted to ask you, do you think it's an advantage? Who do you think has the advantage? coming into this week. Arkansas State for playing a game already or K-State for having film on Arkansas State? Oh, I think Arkansas State has a bigger advantage for think sure. I think so. I, I definitely do. I think that, that – and that's going to be something that's going to be interesting just to watch. Uh, really kind of here with – there are only a handful of teams that really have that. I know UAB is playing Miami um, on Thursday night, and UAB has already got off to uh, – uh, off to a, a game already against Central Arkansas, I think that it does – I think it is a bigger benefit to a team that's played a game. You get to get out there and you get to – normally I wouldn't think it's a huge deal, but just with this whole uh, circumstances that are surrounding now, I think it is a bigger deal. I think when you've seen teams – like I heard uh, Navy's uh, coach, uh, Ken Niamatololo, say last night that they have not tackled – live people since uh, the preparation in the game against Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl last year. Now, if you watched any of that BYU-Navy game on Monday night, I would say they still haven't tackled anybody (laughs) uh, since uh, the Liberty Bowl because that was about the most pathetic performance I've ever seen uh, in a big, like, primetime game. I mean, now, granted, it's not your normal primetime game with – you know, usually you have two ranked opponents or two Power Five opponents, but uh, yeah, Navy did not show well uh, at all on on Monday night. But uh, I think that's going to be interesting. I think there's a huge advantage to teams that have have got out there and, and gotten a chance to play in a game already. And you know, there are just some even if you haven't had a chance to to get into a game yet, there have been some schools I know that have had. Uh, that have really had to cut short their, their practice. There are some that haven't really had to um, had to uh, cut short anything at all. I know BYU wasn't uh, cutting anything short. I had actually read something about how their um, their president of their school or their chancellor, or whatever the title that they go to, is a um, you know big time uh, heart doctor, and he had had said, "Hey, it's okay to play during all this entire." during the entire uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. And he, um, so they've been practicing nonstop, just as if they would have just normally. So, 
and it, obviously you saw uh, the impact that uh, that had on the field on Monday night. Yeah, the uh, the midshipmen were uh, hurting after that one. Well, they need a heart doctor. <laughs> they need a heart yeah. doctor. Their yeah. uh, their boats are sinking. Yeah. Um, no, watching that game, it just made me think, man, how did K State lose to this? program but obviously different team things different team different sure. different team uh, odd season for sure well uh k-state welcomes in arkansas state uh who is coached by blake anderson if that name sounds familiar it should because uh he's been kind of a hot name in uh coaching circles over the last few years he's always one of those guys that people talk about making the jump to with the power five eventually and he's done a really fine job at Arkansas State. I, I believe, uh, I think he's been there five or six seasons, and he's got the most wins in the first five or six seasons, whatever it is, out of any coach in school history. So Blake Anderson's doing something right uh, down there, coaching the Red Wolves. Um, let's uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, the offense for Arkansas State. Um, there's a bit of a quarterback carousel, I understand there. Sure. Uh, Couple signal callers uh, in the mix against Memphis on Monday, or I'm rather on Saturday, and uh, one of them is pretty ballyhooed, a former yeah. member of the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's right. So why don't you tell us about uh, these two uh, quarterbacks? Okay, so let's go ahead and just kind of hop into the quarterback uh, carousel that Arkansas State is finding themselves in. Logan Bonner is listed as the starter. On this week's uh, depth chart for Arkansas State, uh, he is not the one uh, of the uh, members of the quarterback room that is the, the more ballyhooed recruit. Uh, Lane Hatcher, who is uh, listed as the backup this week, uh, one of the top dual threat quarterbacks uh, in the country coming out of school a few years back, had went to Alabama, transferred back home. He's a Little Rock, Arkansas native transferred back to the natural state and is, uh, you know, seeing some time here. They're going to play both quarterbacks. I would almost guarantee it. Uh, Lane Hatcher threw for 27 touchdowns last year as a freshman, or in, in his, not as a freshman, but in his first season at Arkansas State. So this is a guy that he's going to be a little too talented to keep off the field. So I would expect to see a little bit more of the same, but it looks like Logan Bonner is going to get uh, – first chops here uh, on, on Saturday. Well, and when you look at the Arkansas State offense, it's a very quarterback-focused offense, and that's a cliche to say because most offenses are, are, are quarterback-oriented. But uh, Arkansas State, not too heavy on the ground. Uh, in fact, they were near the bottom of FBS in terms of all the advanced uh, rushing metrics that uh, folks look at. Uh, on the other hand, a very explosive team. Um, yeah. You, you see lots of chunk plays from Arkansas State in 2019. Um, and whether it's which, – whichever quarterback it is, you kind of anticipate them throwing the ball um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40-plus 40, 40 times mm -hmm. on, uh, on Saturday against K-State. And the guy that's uh, probably going to be the favorite target of, of whoever it is under center – is uh, Jonathan Adams. He's a uh, bigger wide receiver, 6'3", 220. Um, 
against Memphis, he came away with six receptions for 65 yards. Last year, uh, had 850 yards receiving. So a nice season uh, for the young man there. Um, are you reading this the same way that you expect Arkansas State to mostly come out and sling it around, or, or do you see them uh, being more having some semblance of a of a rushing game? Yeah, so I expect them to try to be somewhat balanced. I mean, they're going to they have their best playmakers out out wide. Uh, you mentioned Jonathan Adams. Uh, the guy that really caught my eye uh, was Dahu Green, number four for the um, for the Red Wolves. 6'5", 200 pounds, and, I mean, these are guys that, when that quarterback, they, they, there was a couple times, whoever the quarterback is, whether if it's, uh, whether if it's Bonner or Hatcher, uh, when they get in there, they've got guys that are serious mismatches in terms of, if you just want to throw a ball up and have it be a jump ball, they have to feel pretty good about their guys coming down with it, and they've got guys whether if it's Jonathan Adams, Dahu Green, both are both are, those are their two big jump ball type receivers. But those guys are deep threats too uh, that can uh, you know beat you down the field as well. So not necessarily just possession guys, but guys that can stretch the field as well. So they've got some talent out wide, and I think K State should be concerned about that going into the game. Dahu Green, uh, ninety nine yards on five receptions against the Tigers on Saturday, and in one of the interceptions. Uh, that got it, well. It wasn't an interception. It, the ball was intercepted, but it got overturned. Uh, where Bonner had just lofted a ball uh, down the sideline, and, and the d- defender from Memphis made a great catch, but his foot had grazed the out of bounds uh, sideline as he was as he was on the ground uh, wrestling for possession with it. Uh, K State's cornerbacks are going to have to be willing to to be in a dogfight uh, with these guys when the ball's in the air because. These are tall, big physical receivers that, you know, quite frankly, if you didn't, if it didn't say Arkansas State on the front of their jersey, you could say, hey, yeah, these, these guys play for, you know, Baylor, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, uh, you know, any team in the Big Twelve. As far as that goes, I'm just thinking of some teams that have have always had some kind of big physical wide receivers, and, and they definitely fit that kind of mold. So yeah, so this, from what it sounds like, it sounds like K State's pass defense is going to be more of the focus this week. It'll uh, be tested, yeah. And, you know, I think what Arkansas State does well, it, what they do well in the running game comes off of RPO type stuff where it's, you know, the read option uh, when, and they either are we going to hand it off here or are we going to, you know, sw- swing it out wide or s- try to dump in something off over the middle. Uh, they can pop for, you know, a a four or five yard gain, six, seven, eight yard gain every now and then, but their running game is looked at primarily as a changeup uh, to the fastball that is getting the ball down the field and getting the ball out wide to their talented wide receivers. So if you had to focus on one K-State player this week, step up, have a big game, um, where do you go? I mean, I... It feels like this is a game where K-State's going to have to try to occupy space in the middle, um, in the back end. And so do you, do you go for a guy like Justin Hughes in the middle of the field or a guy like A.J. Parker trying to match up with some of these rangy wide receivers? Yeah, so that's a great question. I would look at two positions. I would look at um, 
at Wayne Jones at, at the safety position, and I look at AJ Parker. Um, now AJ Parker, a returning you know guy that played a ton for K State, and not only uh, a guy that is one of K State's better uh, defensive players, but one of the better cornerbacks uh, throughout the Big Twelve. I, I would feel very comfortable with this matchup given normal circumstances, but with him not having gone through a full spring. Uh, obviously, coming off of a, a broken leg last year, this is a pretty good. This is a pretty good test for him right off the bat. And when you look at the wide receivers that Arkansas State does have, uh, poses a good challenge for him. Uh, with Wayne Jones, I look at a guy last year that, quite frankly, I thought was disappointing in the defensive backfield for K State. So I look at that as a opportunity for redemption for him to say that hey. Got a whole year, uh, another whole year of being in the system, uh, looking at, uh, you know, getting a further understanding of kind of what schemes are and just getting up to speed in terms of playing big-time football. And this is a great opportunity for him to, to prove it. It's not a great uh, offense. He, there, we, we will see better offenses this year in the Big 12, but it's certainly a, a good test right out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I alluded to earlier, I think that there are certainly better offenses in the Big 12, but... Probably, again, not. I, I certainly don't think this is the tenth best offense K State no. faces all season. No, and not, so not at all. Yeah, I think I think Wayne jo- Wayne Jones is a good choice. Also, I think this is a chance for Wyatt Hubert to enter twenty twenty and kind of put himself more on the map than he already is. Um, sure. I, I think this is a game where you know you're going against a, a pass oriented offense um, that's going to throw the ball like I said, 40 times a game. Um, and he'll have a chance to go up against um, probably not the best uh, tackle he faces all year. And so a chance for him to really get in the backfield and create some chaos. Um, Icon, do you have anything else to touch on on the uh, Arkansas State offensive side? Offensive side of the ball, not a whole lot else. I think we've pretty well covered it. This is a team that is... I think what what is most likely, uh, if you're if you're looking at this from an Arkansas st- State standpoint, what you want to see after in the first half of this game is you want to say, okay, in the first half we have found who our quarterback is going to be for the rest of the game. We're not going to be p- playing this juggling uh, between uh, Bonner and Hatcher because. They pretty much split time, almost like right down the middle. Well, um, you know what they say: if you have two quarterbacks, you got none. You you uh, set me up perfectly for that, Delu. And I think if K State uh, can do a good job of making it tough for them to choose one quarterback, that bodes very well for K State. Obviously, I think what's going to be important for K State is to get pressure. Um, Memphis was able to get pressure a lot against uh, this Arkansas State team with just three. Um, running out of a three-down uh, lineman set, I think K-State will be able uh, to get uh, some good pressure between uh, Wyatt Hubert, Boom Massey, Khalid Duke uh, being in the backfield. I think that there's a, a good chance that K-State uh, makes whichever quarterback Arkansas State goes with a very uncomfortable back there on Saturday. Yeah, I think uh, K-State's defensive ends should be licking their lips and uh, eager to make uh, whoever Arkansas State's quarterback is, have a rough day under center. Um, well, we talked a little bit about the Arkansas State offense. Good, solid G5 
offense. Yeah, I mean, no question. Wanna, not the fillet of the G five, but you know, maybe a nice strip steak. Yeah, maybe not, not a not the world. Well, not a great cut, but a cut of steak nonetheless. Um, not not quite minute steak, but you know. Something a little bit better than that. Maybe like a nice strip. Casey yeah. strip. Put it in a fajita. Call it good. Okay. There we go. Um, You're looking for more skirt steak at that point then. But I, that's I, look, true. Let's, we're, this is a little too much inside baseball. Tune into our other podcast. Uh, you know, The Meat Locker. The Meat, the meat Locker. Exactly. And we can get going on that. But let's turn to the Arkansas State defense, which is a unit that uh, isn't quite as stout. You know, I mentioned that the Arkansas State offense ain't going to be the worst offense K-State sees this year. Arkansas State defense, if it's not the worst unit K-State faces this year, uh, it's darn close because this is a uh, this is a unit that just plagued them. I mean, think of some of those – it's almost like some of those old Texas Tech teams where the offense was uh, legitimately stout, but the defense – Gave up so many points that every game uh, was a bit of a nail-biter. Um, against Memphis last week, they struggled. Gave up a lot of yards to Memphis. 502. Uh, 275 of those came through the air. 227 of them came on the ground. Um, Memphis actually uh, ran more than they passed, which feels like a bit of a rarity uh, yeah, in some you- of these games where uh, two G5 teams are going. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, Memphis has always had a a good offense and they they do it a number of different ways and uh, but on Saturday night it was definitely on the ground, uh, running for the tune of, of 227 yards uh, and, and just getting I mean they, they could get five yards of carry all night, it seemed like. Uh, I do think though that K State has to be liking uh, what uh, you know? What this kind of challenge presents? Arkansas State is going to give you uh, stuff on the ground. They, I think they returned two defensive linemen uh, from last year's uh, rotation uh, for Arkansas State. So it's certainly an inexperienced group, and I think K State has to really say, you know what, this is a great opportunity for breaking in an offensive line with four or five new starters and saying, hey. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's see what we have uh, here against a, a, an opponent we should really dominate. Yeah, and uh, one interesting aspect from the game on Saturday against Memphis, no sacks for the Arkansas State defense. And yeah. for a team like K-State that's breaking in uh, all or almost all, depending on how you classify Revis, uh, as a new offensive line, uh, this, is, this presents them a fairly – nice tune-up game in terms of figuring out how to protect Skylar Thompson, which is an issue that, as we've discussed, has kind of plagued K-State over these last two or three years. Yeah, Skylar Thompson should have have some really uh, nice windows to throw to or, you know, have some good time. This Arkansas State team, you know, while we mentioned they, they gave up, you know, 230 yards uh, on the ground, they gave up about, what, 270 through the air. So this is a team that can be had – through the air and uh, through the ground, uh, really where I thought Arca- or where uh, Memphis really exploited Arkansas State was especially down the red zone. Uh, four trips for uh, Memphis in- or five trips for Memphis rather into the red zone last Saturday. Four coming away with touchdowns, and oftentimes 
it was Arkansas State playing kind of a soft cover two zone, and uh, Memphis wide receivers getting to that back line of the end zone and finding a hole in between there. So that was really where the game kind of for Memphis was really won, was converting in the red zone and coming away with seven each time, uh, except for once at the end of the game, rather than uh, settling for field goals or not scoring. So when you look at it that way, K-State should have to look, should look at this saying, you know what, this is a very gettable defense. Uh, I think this is a – I mean, if you're looking for uh, K-State's offensive weapons here in 2020 uh, to break out kind of right off the bat, it's a great game for Josh Youngblood uh, to get involved, whether if it's running the ball uh, or, you know, maybe busting a seam down the middle uh, for, for Skylar Thompson uh, to hit him there. Malik Knowles, it's been a while since, you know, we feel like we've seen really a, a full speed, fully healthy Malik, Holes, Malik Knowles in action. Hopefully we're able to see that here on Saturday. That's right. And similar to how the offense for Arkansas State thrives on chunk plays, uh, the defense similarly gets gashed by chunk plays. They were one of the worst in, this, in the country last year in terms of explosive type plays. Um, giving up just about the worst uh, in terms of number of 20 yards, uh, number of passes for over 20 yards per game. Um, And so huge opportunity for Skylar Thompson to kick off the 2020 season and to give K-State's wide receivers uh, who have, uh, you know, last year the unit was pretty thin at times, especially with Malik Knowles' issue. Um, but also a chance for Briley Moore to come yeah, out absolutely. and kind of showcase what he brings into the t- what he brings to the table and kind of the evolution of the Courtney Messingham offense with a legit uh, receiving threat from the tight end. Well, and a couple guys, you know, that you look at, you know, I was disappointed. I didn't see Sammy Wheeler on the uh, on the depth chart at tight end. Uh, however, oh, Nicole- that's a folks. When the icon says however, buckle up because he's about to just nail you. However, it's not three deep, it's just a two deep. So, <laughs> okay. and, and the Nick Lenners is listed with a, as an or with Briley Moore there. So I think there might be a little gamesmanship there going, keeping uh, Sammy Wheeler off the list. Now, maybe he may be sick. I don't know. I don't know what the case is. But I will say this. It's a guy I think K-State fans are going to hear from some this year that's kind of flying under the radar, Sammy Wheeler this year. All right. But anyway, no, you're absolutely right. I want to see Briley Moore. I think that's probably what K-State fans, you know, have to be thinking. This is the biggest new addition to the offense. However, I think the biggest addition really in, in some ways is just another year of experience for a lot of these guys. Uh, Malik Knowles having been a, a full starter, even though he was banged up for a lot of the year, him being healthy, coming back for his really his third year of, of play now, and then um, Josh Youngblood. I mean, probably one of the most exciting players uh, with the ball in his hands in the Big 12. Let's see what he can do with a full year, maybe getting a little bit of, of, of full-on duty as a, as a wide receiver, not just a guy that's back there returning punts and kicks, uh, but is back there um, you know, for 40, 50 snaps on offense today. 
Now, while we're going through the depth chart here, and we've talked a lot about the K-State passing game and how we expect them to have a big day, I want to touch for a second on the running back situation. Uh, K-State releases the depth chart, uh, and there's three names on it. This is a three-deep. And uh, the three names are Harry Trotter, Tyler Burns, and Deuce Vaughn. Now, I believe uh, is a common knowledge that Irvin is sitting out at this point. I believe it is. I, I think I, I'd seen it reported somewhat widely. I, I can't quite recall. But, yeah, he, he's apparently opting out. Um, and maybe that will be made official later on, whatever the case is. But, yeah, he, he's playing on opting out, it looks like. And a name not on that list that you would have expected and that we talked about a little bit last week, Jacardia Wright. Now, I understand he's had some uh, injury issues this fall that just came to light. Uh, you expect to see him this week, or I don't. I don't expect you to have any inside info. And if you did, I wouldn't expect you to share. No, of course I wouldn't share it. Yeah, you can't abuse. I mean, you can't out those sources. We, we, we have a we have a we have a big noon kickoff coming up in two weeks. Uh, so would you? Maybe you can answer me this. Should fans expect to see Jacardia right this weekend? I think it's about fifty-fifty shot. Okay, I appreciate you going out on a limb. Yeah, he he either will play or he won't play. <laughs> yeah, I, the, which is which I can't tell you for sure. But no, I I have I have not a the faintest idea if Jacardi Wright will play. However, I feel that if he's been banged up a little bit through fall fall camp, not a big deal. Yeah, not a big deal. I think now I will say, I'm this, fine. I'm fine giving him the week off and. Well, really, the next two weeks. I will say, though, this running back depth, which we thought we might have a nice little group of running backs, starting to look a little bit shakier, uh, you know, with the three names that we have listed here going into week one. Granted, it's early in the um, early in the season, obviously, but guy goes down, now you're, now you're set with two. I mean, what – what happens then, you know, if another guy goes down? I mean, how, how, how deep could this thing really go? Is Jacardi Wright available? Those are all the questions that we might be able to find out on Saturday, but I, I'm hopeful if Jacardi Wright isn't 100% that give him, give him this week off, let him rest over the bye week, and let's get him ready for conference play because that's going to be, you know, a real grind. Absolutely. So we'll hope to see Jacardi Wright uh, this week, but if not, uh, don't panic. Because it doesn't sound like he's fine. Okay? Fine. Everybody fine. just stop talking about his health. Um, and then just want to touch on Deuce Vaughn for a second. Sure. Uh, yeah. He has received a lot of praise um, yeah. among uh, just some of the players and some of the coaches in these early press conferences. Uh, that's a guy I'm really excited to watch on Saturday night. And I do expect him to get uh, at least some action on Saturday. Uh, because you don't hear... Such high praise for freshman running backs all that often. Um, I, I think it's just kind of rare, or at least it's oh, seen that way around K State for the last however many years. It, it's it, rare because also too K State's not going to attract the kind of guy that is ready to play the Big Twelve as a freshman very often. Right, and uh, you know, and K State, with the exception of last year, K State has just hasn't played that many freshman no, running yeah. backs, and so. Yeah. But with Deuce Vaughn, we got a guy who is uh, players are excited about, coaches are excited about, and uh, sounds just like an electric weapon that K State uh, K State will have. And so, very excited to uh, watch his debut 
and uh, get his career kickstarted. Absolutely. Now, the thing with Deuce Vaughn that's interesting is um, this is a guy that has been praised for his intelligence uh, on the field. His dad is actually a uh, professional scout, I believe, for the uh, New Orleans Saints. And so he has grown up around football for years and years and years, his entire life. Comes from a very, um, you know, football-focused family. And, you know, that's the biggest part of this is that freshman running back come into, whether if it's K-State or any school, and when you hear about guys that aren't able to get on the field, like, oh, you know, we got this great three- or four-star running back that we think could be really good. Well, what was always what we heard? Well, you know, he doesn't quite know the pass protections. He doesn't quite, you yeah. know, know where he's supposed to be in in terms of in terms of pass protection, in terms of what he needs to be doing running the ball, in terms of you know his assignments, um, you know, all throughout the uh, the offense. Deuce Vaughn, you don't have to worry about that because this guy is a pro. He's already. a student of the game. He's a student of the game, and he's he's gr- grown up in a pro environment, and he has that pro mindset, which is which is so valuable. By the way, I thought of another freshman running back that was kind of reminiscent of some of these rumblings I think I about Deuce Vaughn. I think I might know who you're talking about. Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy? I was even going to go back as far as saying Leon Patton. Uh, yeah. That Oklahoma State game in 2007. Yeah. 2006. 2006. You're right. And you know, I I want to uh, apologize uh, to the listeners of the short side option. Last uh, week, I had said uh, Reggie Walker or that uh, Khalid Duke could have a uh, a season like uh, Reggie Walker had in 2017. I misspoke. It was 2016. Huh, I thought. I think I remember saying that it might have been 2016. And, well, and you know what? You were right, Mr. Dell. Yeah. So that's a good job by you. That's, that's a bad. It. That's a bad job by me. All right. Yeah, that's true. And so um, I was right and the icon was wrong, but that's rare here at the short side option. Uh, but before moving on uh, to predictions, icon, would you like to say anything else about uh, what it's going to look like when K-State has the ball on offense this Saturday? You know, let's touch on the offensive line just real quick. Sure. Um, on the depth chart that uh, K-State posted, uh, I'll just run down here from left tackle uh, and just move down that side of the ball here. So we have Katori Leviston, Josh Rivas at left guard, Noah Johnson at center, Ben Adler at right guard, and Christian Duffy at right tackle. So the only guy coming back with any significant experience, Josh Rivas, on that offensive line, it's going to be interesting to see what, how this group gels because this is their first time not only for a lot of them playing, uh, in big time college football, uh, for for you know more than just a handful of snaps, this is the first time all playing together too. So there's not a, I don't know if you'll see that cohesion right off the bat, but what are you expecting from this offensive line on Saturday? I'm expecting rust. I mean, not only are they inexperienced, but it was a truncated uh, spring and a truncated fall, and so I. I would expect these guys to not be a completely cohesive, ready-to-hit-the-ground-running sort of uh, experience on Saturday. Now, granted, I think that it's a good matchup for them for a unit like this where your debut is against um, an Arkansas State defensive front that's that's not world beaters by any stretch. Uh, but I would expect growing pains. Um, you know... 
hopefully it's nothing too extreme and I don't expect it to be anything too dramatic, but I would expect it to, at least in these first, this first game especially, uh, don't be shocked if it looks like K-State's offensive line took, took a step back. Yeah, I think that's a very realistic and it's a take I agree with because I think that you are going to see a – the growing pains is the perfect way to put it because, like, I, my bigger concern is, one, not having the whole spring, not having really hardly any of the spring. Right. And then, you know, just an odd fall. I don't know what's been going on. I don't know if players have been sick uh, among the offensive line. I don't know what has taken place. I don't know how available they've been. But it, it – I don't think it's a stretch to say that it has been far from anything normal. And even with a normal spring and a normal fall, I think this group would still struggle early on. Unfortunately, we don't get the benefit of having three non-conference games. We get one, and then we hop right into conference play, going to the uh, conference favorite, uh, Oklahoma. So there's not a whole lot of time for these guys to get comfortable so hopefully uh, they surprise us a little bit on Saturday and uh, maybe are a little bit further ahead of the curve than we maybe give them credit for. Right. And, and just to catch our listeners up, I'll uh, just give you the projected starting lineup uh, on the offensive line uh, based on the depth chart released uh, this week by K-State. Uh, starting at the right side is Christian Duffy, right guard Ben Adler, Noah Johnson in the middle, Revis on the uh, left guard spot, and Katori Leviston and, or I'm sorry, or Logan Long uh, shoring up the left tackle spot. A little surprised uh, to see Logan Long is an or in the two deep. I don't know whether that says more about his progression or Leviston's progression, frankly, uh, but a uh, little surprised to see Logan Long battling for a starting spot on the left side. Well, a uh, lot to, uh, and you know, we'll, I'm sure they'll be mixing and matching, which, you know, I know in, in years, or last year rather, um, they would swap out, um, swap, or swap in, I should say, uh, Josh Revis uh, for a series or two here and there. We'll, of course, have our eyes uh, peeled for anything like that going on on Saturday because I'm sure there will be some. Absolutely. And Icon, we've come to that point. We must tarry no further. Who you got? I'm going to take K-State in this game, and I'm going to take them by the final score of 34-20. to 34-20. Yeah. We, we see it similarly. Yeah. 34-20, I think, um, I think K-State is going to do a good job of getting pressure on, on, on whether if it's um, on, on whatever quarterback – Arkansas State decides to uh, to go with whether if it's Bonner or Hatcher um, early on. I think K State's going to do a good job, and I think Wyatt Hubert's going to be a a force to be reckoned with. I think Khalid Duke is going to be another guy that I'm really excited to see after uh, as we discussed last week. Baller when uh, when Wyatt Hubert starts throwing out the B word with Khalid Duke, that that gets my attention very quickly. We don't take that word lightly around here. So. I'm going to go 34-20. I think K-State's biggest thing, or the biggest thing that I'm most looking forward to from seeing K-State is what are they going to do on first and second down this year? Uh, You know, we talked about that a little bit last year, how uh, our defense efficiency on first and second down, not great last year. We were able to get off the third pretty well on third down, but uh, 
let's uh, let's see if we can shore up that first and second down because if you get Arkansas State uh, playing, you know, in front of the chains all night where they're where they're able to you know take shots on second and two, second and three. K-State's going to have their hands full. So uh, this is a game that K-State can definitely lose. I, I want to say that first and foremost. But I think K-State having more experience at quarterback, is this is a game that's very important for that. And I also think K-State having some good uh, – I mean, having a far stronger defense obviously bodes well, but them having some serious impact players on that defense uh, with uh, Wyatt Hubert, with A.J. Parker – Guys that I think that are all conference caliber players, I think is really what separates uh, the two teams in this one. Absolutely, and and I agree with you on the same lines. I, I have K State winning uh, 41-21 in a game that looks kind of similar to the Arkansas State Memphis game. Uh, don't be surprised if Arkansas State hangs around in the first half and K State uh, presses the accelerator sometime in the third or fourth quarter uh, to get out to a comfortable margin. Um, but I just think. K-State's the better team. Um, now, this is a game I think K-State can absolutely lose if, if they don't play their cards right. Uh, like you mentioned, if, if K-State's defense is in a rough position all night, uh, you know, hanging on to some of those same issues as last year in terms of bad success rate on first and second down, um, then, yeah, I think K-State could be in jeopardy of losing this game. Uh, that said, I think K-State's defense is uh, – up to the task, I think it's an experienced defense and a defense that's going to be prepared to handle Arkansas State's offense. Um, and in terms of the offensive side, I think this is just what the doctor ordered uh, for K-State in terms of a defense that K-State should be excited to face early on in the 2020 season. Um, I, I think that – I think Thompson's going to have a big night. Uh, I, I – with the running back lineup we have right now, it's hard to say whether or not K-State's going to have a ton of success on the ground, uh, but they certainly could just from brute force. But I think uh, I think K-State's a better team. I think K-State is going to is going to win this one pretty comfortably. Okay. Were you excited to see, the line in this game is about ten? Yeah, ten, ten and a half. Were you uh, a little surprised by that? You know, not really. I think that just because this year there's just so much unknown. Uh, with one, who, what players are going to be available? I mean, there's not going. To, it's not going to be a well-documented injury report uh, like you would see in the NFL about, hey, this guy's out due to you know positive test or in like. And they're now because of uh, the COVID testing, they're kind of able to lump other injuries, just not telling anybody about them either, too. So yeah. Bill Snyder would have loved this. Yeah. You know, he would have been chopping the bit. He was innovative. These players are unavailable for undisclosed reasons. Yeah, it's just like in hockey, he's unfit to play. Yeah. Is it, it, all, all they have to say. Whether that's because he tested positive or tweaked an ankle or, you know, got or, thrown in the slammer. Or his right arm is laying on the ice and, you yeah. know, he, he's, he's without it. But, you know, that's the whole thing is – uh, there's just a whole lot of uncertainty, you know, obviously, too. You know, I, these are I, times of uncertainty. These are, these are uncertain times. Yeah. Unprecedented times, too, as far as that goes. That's but uh, I believe the protocol is they give them one final test on Friday night, and if that test comes back positive, they can't play. So if your starting quarterback comes back with a, a positive, then – 
they do have time to allow for a retest just in case of a false positive. But if he comes back positive, he can't play. If he was out kissing girls in Aggieville on Thursday night. Yeah. Rolling the dice. You're rolling the dice, absolutely. So uh, I think that just adds another layer. to. So I think these these point spreads are are kind of – just a shot in the dark here. I think if you uh, if you have an idea on if everyone's healthy and if, if these were more normal circumstances, I think K State would probably be a two. I think they'd probably be a three score favorite. Yeah, feels like uh, a like, like, seventeen and a half sort yeah. of thing. And now also too, maybe bookmakers are a little bit higher uh, and odds makers are a little bit higher on Arkansas State than maybe I am. Uh, I think Arkansas State is a perfectly dangerous team, but that defense. It has a lot of holes in it, and I think K-State should be able to move the ball um, relatively uh, easily, and I think more so than anything, and you didn't see this as much with Memphis because both teams kind of played that same style of game. I think K-State could really uh, control the tempo in this one too and, and really get a nice uh, advantage on the time of possession. That's something that they enjoyed early on last year. As you remember, I think the first two games they had over 40 – uh, minutes of time of possession in both of those games against Nickel State and Bowling Green. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be the exact same this week, but if that offense can get rolling, that Arkansas State defense is going to be going to be one worn, very worn out. That offense is just going to be set on the sideline. And you brought up time of possession, and I have an interesting factoid for you. Yeah, and they may, I'll frame it as a trivia question. Okay. When was the last time K State had under 20 minutes time of possession? Oh, man, that's a great question. It's got to be during the Ron Prince era. I mean, it almost has to be, right? You tell me. Gosh, I, it didn't seem like we ever had that ball, had the ball in that 2008 game against Louisville. That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with that game. Yeah, that's, That often referred to as the Deion Murphy game. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that was a Thursday night game. I don't think it was. I think it was a Wednesday night game. A Wednesday night game, that's right. Because I think it was the same... Oh no, 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 no! It was it was maybe like right around the same time as like the Breeders' Cup in Louisville because I remember it was just like on a Wednesday night, which is was odd. But I think like the festivities started in Louisville like on Thursday, and so they said, okay, we're gonna have to move this game up from. I think it might have been a Thursday night game anyway, and they had to move it up an extra day. Did you have any action on that Breeders' Cup race, by the way? But not back in two thousand eight. I, I was I was not in the ponies then. You were just point. studying. I was just I was just grinding. Yeah, just grinding. Yeah. Well, now it was it was sad to see this weekend, uh, this past weekend, Tis the Law not uh, not getting it done at the Kentucky Derby. It's very odd seeing uh, the race underneath the Twin Spires uh, take place in in early September rather than than May. But it was still great to see uh, to see that uh, slice of Americana uh, on on the TV. Yeah, no that's about it. Very well said. No, um, absolutely. Well, folks, uh, you've, you've heard it from us. Uh, we both like K-State. We both like K-State relatively comfortably. Uh, we're going to take a break now and get back to you with uh, some of our final segments that have been absent for a little bit. Uh, join us after the break, won't you? All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where we are kind of getting into some of our uh, segment, our, our segment segment. Uh, and the first of these segments is a little something we here at the Short Side Option Podcast like to call This Week's Wildcat Legend. And like on this week's Wildcat Legend, hails from Garden City. Oh, that's my old neck of the woods. Out yeah, there. out, out kind of by you. Yeah. Uh, and he happens to be my age. Huh. 
But unlike me, Kansas State was not his for- first university that he attended. Oh, okay. This was Minnesota. Oh, the Gophers. Minnesota. Okay. Uh, do you have any guesses? Gosh, can you maybe go on a little bit more for me, Mr. Dell? Well, I'll tell you, he went to Garden City High School. Okay, I'm familiar. He rushed for over 1,400 yards and 20 touchdowns and passed for 700 yards and four scores in 2007 as the Buffaloes started quarterback. This ringing any bells? <sighs> maybe a little bit more. He earned first-team Class 6A All-State Honors from the Kansas Football Coaches Association, the Wichita Eagle, and the Topeka Capital Journal. Anything? God, I've got it near it. Maybe just one more hit. <laughs> All right. He's also a second-team top 11 pick by the Topeka <laughs> Capital Journal. Oh! It's so clear. It's got to be Broderick Smith. That's exactly right. Of course. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, he, that last clue gave it away. Yeah. You should have came up with a better one than that. You know, there weren't very many second team top 11 all classes no. picks by the Topeka Capital Journal in 2007. Well, and especially not from Garden City, Kansas. That's what gave it away. But that was, that was, a, that was a good job by, by you there, Mr. Dell. Yeah, none other than Broderick Smith. Uh, he was a pretty ballyhooed recruit coming out of high school. He was. And... When he went to uh, Minnesota, I mean, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. It was kind of a loss. It was, for sure. Minnesota's kind of got K-State's goat on the recruiting trail a couple times in the last year or two. Yeah. Uh, But it all started with Broderick Smith. Yeah, now that was back when Tim Brewster was the uh, head coach at at, uh, Minnesota. And, you know, uh, Broderick Smith came from a K-State family. I believe his father played at Kansas State. And, uh, you know, with Western Kansas being, you know, definitely K-State country out there, it seemed like it was a guy that... that wasn't K-State, that Tim Brewster? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was, wasn't... Uh, Glenn Mason was gone by that point. Well, obviously, but it wasn't the... Uh, who's that other fellow that was part of K-State's athletics department? For, Jerry Kill? Yeah. No, no. It was it was Tim Brewster up there okay. at that time. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a big deal out there, too, because he was one of the best players uh, to come out of, out of Western Kansas in some time. And, uh, you know, he really, um, you thought that at that point, maybe, uh, you know, he'd want to stay close to home, but decided to go up to Minnesota. But as we, as we all know, he came back home. That's right. And while at Minnesota, he played in uh, 12 games uh, in 2008 as a freshman, which is pretty impressive. Uh, five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. And I'll tell you, that touchdown came on a uh, 43-yard pass against none other than Wisconsin. So our Big Ten correspondent, uh, Big Dog in Madison, she was barking pretty hard at old old Broderick. Mm -hmm. Uh, But obviously once the legend returned, uh, he transferred home back to Kansas State, redshirted in 2009, and had a pretty big uh, career uh, early on at K-State. Uh, he was the top receiver in the early part of 2010 for K-State. Uh, led the Wildcats in catches, yards, and touchdowns through four games before he uh, had an injury against Nebraska yeah. in 2010. Yeah. And one of many things that went wrong in that game for K-State. Uh, but his best game uh, came against Missouri State where he had six catches, 99 yards, and two touchdowns. And he became the first Wildcat with at least two touchdown catches 
in a game since the 2009 season opener. So, broke a two-year streak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then 2011, not quite as strong of a year for him, coming back from the injury. Caught one pass for eight yards against Eastern Kentucky and two, 21 yards uh, against Kent State. Uh, and a, uh, two catches for 26 yards and a season-long reception of 18 yards at Miami. And so these are pretty iconic games mm-hmm. for K-State that, Absolutely. He, that he played a big part in. And the thing that Broderick Smith, that comes to mind with Broderick Smith for me, is his downfield blocking. Oh, yeah. Devastating. <laughs> Absolutely devastating. And there's, I, I know we're thinking about the exact same, the exact same play in the exact same game, um, but... Uh, I mean, go ahead. I, I know if – I can think of a, one seminal moment for him. By all means. It was the Miami game in, in 2011 where we're down inside the 5, 10-yard line, and uh, Klein uh, runs it in, uh, I believe, or Hubert runs it in. I can't remember exactly sure. But you can just see off in the top part of the screen that – I'm going to say 30 yards away from the action. Eh, maybe not 30, maybe 20 yards away from the action of, of, of the point of attack with where the ball's at. You can just see Broderick Smith absolutely clearing out his uh, the cornerback in front of him and just driving him to the ground in the back of the end zone. I thought he was going to toss him into the stands. Yeah, he may as well have. You know, he would have been a great competitor in the Royal Rumble. Oh, absolutely. Because he would have just hauled guys over the top rope and eliminated... Uh, a lot. Um, but really, whether it was... He had great receptions, a, a fine, good target uh, for Klein, uh, but really just a devastating downfield blocker. And that, folks, that tenacity is what makes him this week's Wildcat legend. Now, I come. we are going to go ahead and move into our final segment of the show, segment we, that we call Ask the Icon. All right, let's do it here. Now, listeners can, of course, submit their questions to the, to the Short Side Options' very own Chris the Icon Sork by tweeting them at us at T-S-S-O underscore uh, podcast or by uh, texting them to us or by – what were some of the other methods? You know, Carrier Pigeon seemed to – Carrier kinda, Pigeon, of that course. That seems to have fallen off a little bit in terms of a, a popular avenue for folks. Yeah, you can direct message him to us or, or – or, oh, that's what I'm thinking. Use the hashtag AskTheIcon. Oh, yeah, you can do that too. Because we're constantly checking. Yeah, that's all we do is checking. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, or, of course, um, if you happen to be our Uber Eats or Postmates driver, uh, just mention it to us when you deliver our food. Yeah, that, that works. That's absolutely. good enough. I haven't been ordering out very much lately, so they might have to be coming for you for that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. But in any event, there's plenty of different ways to reach us, and we invite – uh, all questions because the icon will go ahead and answer them. Uh, first off, we're going to start off with a longtime listener, BTC at BeantownCat22. And the cat from Boston asks Mr. Icon, what's the one name on the KSE roster most people don't know right now that you expect to become a household name by the end of the season? Okay, that's a great question uh, from, from our guy, BeantownCat. So, I would say a couple. I would say two names. I'll give you one offense of side of the ball, two, and uh, another one on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I would say uh, Sammy Wheeler. I know I mentioned him earlier. I think he adds a really nice compliment. I think K-State's got two 
pretty dynamic pass-catching tight ends with Wheeler and Briley Moore. Uh, I think Wheeler uh, could have a really nice season for K-State. Uh, I think you saw some glimpses of it last year, and I think uh, with another year, really, because you have to remember, he came to K-State as a wide receiver, or excuse me, as a quarterback, and um, then got transitioned to – uh, the tight end position. So still learning the position, still new to that, to that role on the offense. I think that he could have a nice year. Um, and then, by the way, I like that you're stumping so hard for the backup tight end at K-State. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, a dark horse, uh, Riley Moore's getting all well, the pub, but don't take your eyes off the, the his backup, Sammy Wheeler. Because... You know, the tight end is often underappreciated, uh, D-Lou, and I think, uh, you're not going to find that underappreciation here on this podcast. Nobody else that. in this town has the guts. No, I also say it. To g- this is the premier Sammy Wheeler podcast. Yeah, you know, it kind of is, I guess. We huh? sent for Sammy here. You know, he's, I think he's got a nice future ahead of him uh, as, a, uh, as a pass catcher. And especially in this offense, where you're not just running from a traditional one tight end set all, all the time. There'll be times where him, Briley Moore are out there uh, together, and there'll probably be times that him, Briley Moore, and Nick Lenners, plus a fullback, are out there on the field together, too. <laughs> Can you say jumbo package? Oh. <laughs> Where's the beef? <laughs> Now, Mr. Icon, we said that we weren't going to get into the beef matters on this podcast. Oh, that's right. I My, my mistake. My mistake. But i got to get to the defensive side of the ball here, too. Okay. And, like, uh, what, um, like what what Mr. Wyatt Hubert had to say, Khalid Duke is a baller. It's been said, and when, when you're throwing out that kind of praise, you, you've got my ear. I think Khalid Duke, like I have mentioned before, is going to have a really nice uh, year opposite uh, um, opposite uh, Wyatt Hubert, and I think he's going to be a, a guy that K-State fans are going to get to know and uh, fans from around the conference are going to get to know as well. You heard it here first, folks. Khalid Duke and Sammy Wheeler. Household names by December. Uh, our next question comes from listener Tyler H. at TH8 underscore. Tyler asks, <clears throat> Icon, famously... Scotty Pippen is the best basketball player to come from Arkansas State. Wait a second. Who is the best football player? Former Chief Willie Davis or former Raider and Cowboy Darren McFadden? Well, I think I, I think I see what our guy TH8 is doing here. I think so. I'm just gonna play along with him a little bit here, and I gotta say it's Darren McFadden. I mean, that guy was unbelievable in college. Unbelievable. Yeah. He tore up Arkansas State's foes. Yeah, and he was a dynamite player. And pretty much when I when I think of the best, like just cheat code players to play with on any sort of NCAA video game, Darren McFadden is one of them. Really, that guy was a monster. It wouldn't be Vince. Oh, he's yeah, he's up there too. But in terms of a running back, you because that was like right when they you know they did the wild hog, which was just the wildcat, but they stylized it their own way. That formation just got into NCAA football for the first time that that year that he I think it was his last year at Arkansas. I think it just got into the game, and so everyone was using it because it's brand new and everyone just wanted to be Darren McFadden, run around and and uh, get crazy with that. He was a very good player, and he was really in in terms of. When you think back in the last, oh gosh, when you look back at the last 15 years of college football, 
he has to, for me, he has to be one of my top five running backs. Yeah, I think that's uncontroversial. And he was, and he was a, he was a tremendous talent. Yeah, well, we can all be thanking our lucky stars that Darren McFadden won't be in Arkansas State's backfield this Saturday. Well, we and, sure can. We yeah, sure can. Be, be thankful for that one. Uh, then we have a duo of, a uh, pair of questions, rather, from Mahomes2020 at KSU underscore funny 33. And Mahomes asks, Did you start any new hobbies during quarantine when you weren't grinding on film? No, not really. Just all the more time to grind on film. I, I started eating more ice cream. Did you, did you really? Yeah, I, I got kind of into eating ice cream. Yeah, what kind of ice cream? Any, any you name it. I mean, mostly chocolate stuff. You strike me as a Rocky Road kind of guy. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Or just nothing quite that exotic. Yeah. Just, uh, I had one from uh, Ben and, whatever those little quartz are that you can get at the Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's, yeah. yeah. And it was called, it was like Jimmy Fallon's ice cream. Uh, it had some name. Yeah, I'm not a Jimmy Fallon fan, really. I'm not either. I, I don't really watch TV besides football. But I understand he's a late night host. Yeah. And anyway, makes a great ice cream. Okay, well that's good to know. So that's a hobby I picked I'm up. I'm going to have to look into that. And on the topic of food, Mahomes' second question is, got any good food recommendos for this weekend? You know, any good food recommendos? Um, you know... Really, when it comes down to it, this is probably going to be most people's. Because I think a lot of people last week, you know, they're spending time with family, uh, with friends, you know, going someplace, whatever the case is. They didn't probably watch much college football last week on TV. And granted, they didn't really miss much. Not, not, not a whole lot going on that you really have to, to, uh, to, to get in front of the TV for. But for a lot of folks, maybe this might be the first week, especially around the Big 12, because your teams are starting to play again. And, um, you know, I think... You just don't, you don't want to overdo it. You just want to do something nice and simple because you don't want to have the, the preparation or the food take away from what's most important, and that's the football game. So I think what is, is a perfectly fine uh, way of going about this is doing something nice and easy in the crock pot, set and forget it overnight. I would recommend pulled pork. Throw a pork butt in, into the, uh, the crock pot. Season that however you choose. Let it set overnight, rip it up in the morning, you've got food for the rest of the day. That's good barbecue, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd think a nice pizza. Yeah, uh, pizza is always good. Okay. Um, well, that wraps it up uh, for Ask the Icon. Now, Icon, one final bit I wanted to touch on real quick uh, that we didn't quite address in the first segment where we were talking about Arkansas State, so forgive me, I'm backtracking. Mm-hmm. But I think an X Factor this weekend... Uh, K-State beat Arkansas State the last time these two teams met up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in 1980. Mm-hmm. Do you think that could have – that could – any storylines there where people might uh, be looking at this as kind of like a revenge game for Arkansas State? I mean, just a little added extra motivation coming into this weekend. Well, I certainly – I mean, I know you didn't bring that up in, in – and I'm glad you're doing it now. But, of course, I, I figured that into any, any sort of uh, prognostication that I do is the revenge angle. Uh, especially, you know, something that's been, gosh, nearly 40 years ago. I mean, th- you know, that, ha- that loss has had to swell on their mind for, for some time now. I know there are folks down in Jonesboro that haven't forgot that. And uh, K-State at the time, not a good football team. Not a good football team at all. 
and for K-State to, to come away with one, one that Arkansas State feels like they should have had. Uh, yeah, you, you know the folks down in, in, in Arkansas, especially in the Jonesboro area, uh, that's sticking in their craw a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at a game like this, it's you got the Jimmy, Jimmys and Joes, you got the Xs and Os, but some of that, that third rail, as I call it, just the emotional aspect, um, you know, going to the Walgreens in town and, and seeing people say, you know, give, them, give K-State hell because they remember that. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's something to be said for that passion. But on the other hand, by that same token, I think having that in K-State's back pocket and just having that extra confidence that, okay, we're a program that can handle Arkansas State. Uh, I think it, it's hard to tell which way that cuts. But uh, I think we're going to find out on Saturday. Motivation will not be lacking for either side. That much we can say. That much we can say. I, I think that is that is without doubt um, uh, not up for debate here. Yeah. So, so buckle up. Going to be a knockdown, drag out fight with a lot of uh, you know storylines for K State. Uh, obviously, Arkansas State has some interesting storylines as well in terms of who's going to play quarterback, and then just the emotional aspect of the game. Uh, and it'll be here for you on Saturday. So, yeah, Icon, do you have any uh, anything else before we wrap up? You know, uh, just one more thing I wanted to uh, to get into um, get into here. Uh, breaking news here a little bit, folks. K State's game against Arkansas State is now moving up to 11 a.m. on Saturday. It will be televised on Fox. The, uh, the time and TV change was made due to Baylor and Louisiana Tech being postponed. So, K-State at 11 o'clock. So, hopefully, if you listen to only the first hour, uh, or, or the first part of the show, I should say, uh, that, you, uh, that you didn't uh, miss kind of the, the breaking news, but uh, readjust your schedules for Saturday, folks, because you get a little bit of morning football. All right. Well, so, that'll uh, that'll be very exciting and a good chance for K State to get some exposure uh, on a national stage uh, on network television. It's a great opportunity. That's yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. So, a uh, big big opportunity for K State. Uh, Dilu, uh, anything else here before we sign off? There is one thing I do want to say real quick. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to. I know we did ask the icon. It's time to ask Dilu here. Who leads K State in rushing on Saturday? Um, Harry Trotter. I think he's going to get the bulk of the carries and just – he might not – I wouldn't expect him to have the highest yards per rush, but I do expect him to get the bulk of the carries and probably finish with something like somewhere between 70 and 110 yards. Okay. What, what, where do you, what do you think? Give me Skylar Thompson as a value play here. All right. Yeah, that is a value play. Yeah, I think he's had the – he's shown the ability to break off some long ones uh, – and I think that um, he's going to have the opportunity, like, like you also too, I think you said, you mentioned this isn't a great uh, Arkansas State defense, not really much of a pass rush either. Might have some time to, uh, to step up in that pocket and get you know, 10, 12 yards at a time. So I think, that, uh, I think that he could have a nice day on the ground as well. Well, hopefully he avoids any uh, potential dings and nicks that come up and uh, he stays healthy, but uh, hell yeah. Go for 150 yards. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, that will uh, do it here for uh, this game week edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, once again, thank you for being on with us here. I'm Chris Sork. And uh, Dilu, anything else you want to say uh, here before we sign it off? I just want to tell the listeners that uh, I love them.
and that I'll always be here for them if they ever need anything from me. And that's and that's why you're the best, man. That's why you're the best in the business, folks. So uh, that'll do it here for us on the short side option. Uh, signing off. Uh, I think it's going to be a nice weekend here for K-State as, as we both have them coming out on top against Arkansas State. So until next weekend, folks, sign off here for the short side option.